You are listening to the Miles Straight Podcast. For more information on Miles Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today will be our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, grab your study guide and uh, you will quickly find that the notes that are supposed to be used this morning are not going to be. I've done an about face on uh, something last evening and uh, we're going to be going a different direction. Last Sunday we started the process of talking about our, our, our heart for the year, our, what God is leading us to do in this year and our theme for the year is everyone an inviter. Everyone an inviter. Everyone has a responsibility. It's inclusive. Everyone has a responsibility to be an inviter. To invite people to the Savior. To invite people to the service. To extend an opportunity for people to know the hope that is found inside of us, which is Jesus Christ. And to allow them to come to a place where they will get to hear about that hope, Jesus Christ. Jesus is given the command in Matthew chapter 28, verses, 20, uh, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. So God has given us specific commands throughout his word that he intends for us to follow. The one that we're looking at this year, the one that we're focusing on, this will be a continuing discussion throughout the year. Didn't necessarily intend for it to be this week, but God had a different plan and so we'll yield to that. Is the matter of inviting people to Christ, inviting them to the Savior, inviting them to the service. For us, we look at this as a responsibility, a God-given responsibility, and yet we can always come up with excuses why we wouldn't do it. I, uh, I can look back over my life and I can remember a lot of excuses. In fact, as I sat down last evening about, oh, I guess it was 7, 7.15 and started making some notes about this, it was easy for me to roll out 10 excuses pretty quickly. Uh, Ten that I want to share with you today because what I believe is that these excuses are pretty much generic across the board. They pretty much are applicable to most of us. You may have an excuse that I haven't put into play here. And uh, if, you, if you find yourself in that situation, I wish you'd come and share that excuse with me. If you feel comfortable doing that so that I can have it on tap to use for next time. But, uh, but I see God giving us a command that he expects us to use. And yet the problem for us is that, as we saw last week, 95% of people who attend church on a regular basis will never invite a single person to church. Will never invite even one person to church. So why is that? The title I've given this study is, Why Would I Not Invite? Okay, when I recognize that God has called me to do just that, when I understand the need of the people in our community, when I recognize the passion that ought to be inside of me for other people, why would I not invite people to the Savior and to church? Now, as you know, as we work through this first part of the year, we're, we're focusing primarily our heart in this matter of inviting people, inviting them to church. That's going to be expanded throughout the year as we go along. We're going to build gradually upon this to where we are, we are making an impact for Christ in 2022. So when it comes to the matter of inviting people to church, why would I not do that? I mean... It's a pretty simple process, as we discovered last week. Why would I not invite people to church? I want to work through my list of ten excuses, and I, I believe that we'll find our own personal excuse embedded in this, and maybe we can then work through it to come to a response and a way to overcome those obstacles 
so that we live in obedience to Christ this year, okay? So where are we? Number one, why would I not invite people to church? Number one, and I can relate to this one so well because I don't want people to dislike me or feel awkward around me. Number one, why would I not invite people to church? Because I don't want people to dislike me and I don't want them to feel awkward around me. Now, if you're not a people pleaser, you probably don't get this one. If you're if the you're type of person that, if people like you, that's great. If they don't like you, that's great. You're probably not understanding this first one. But for those of us who are, we're right there. We live in this. We've worked so hard to make people like us that we don't want to do anything to destroy that. And so it becomes quite an obstacle for us. In my way of thinking, um, it could be an issue for a lot of us. Something that we have to really look at and understand. So then, what do we have to consider? Well, we have to consider that God has given us a responsibility. On one side, we understand the responsibility. We understand the necessity. We understand the need, to a certain degree, of inviting people to come to a place where they will hear about Jesus Christ. But on the other side, we have this burning desire to be liked, to, to not have people uncomfortable around us. And so we, we kind of have a conflict. There are butting heads here, if you will. How do we handle this? Well, I think it's important to remember that most of the fears we have over inviting people will never be realized. I mean, we can assume that people are just going to be up in arms and they're not going to want to be around us if we invite them to church. But I would submit to you that if we do this in a proper fashion, I mean, if this is something we've thought out, something we've prayed over, something we're deeply concerned with, then I would submit that when we go to that individual, the way we expect them to respond is probably not the way they're going to respond. They may say, you know what, it's not for me. Okay, that's great. They may say, well, not right now. Or they may say, you know what, something's going on in my life. I really need that right now. I really need that right now. We don't really know, but one thing we do know for sure is that God has given us a command to do it. So then it really comes down. This is where it really boils down to this. I'm either going to continue to be a people pleaser or I'm going to be more concerned about living in obedience to God. Okay, if God's given me a directive to invite people to the Savior, and one way I'm going to accomplish that is through inviting them to come and hear what God says to them in a service atmosphere like this, then if I'm not doing it, I'm living in disobedience. So it boils down to I'm going to continue to live as a people pleaser or I'm going to be a God pleaser. So what is it? What is it for you? Number two. Number two, well, the reason I don't invite is because I don't want people to think I'm some sort of a holy roller. I don't want people to think I'm some sort of a holy Joe or a holy roller. I, um, I, I can kind of understand that, but I think before we dip into it, there, there needs to be something discussed beforehand. Is that really the issue in your mind? I mean, is it really the issue that there is this concept that if I say something to someone, they're going to think I'm some sort of a, a condemning, looking down upon them holy roller? Is that really what's going on in your mind? Or is it more that you're, you're really ashamed? Ashamed of being a Christian or ashamed of inviting someone or ashamed of, of Christ himself? What, what's really going on behind the scenes? Unfortunately, a lot of times when you talk to people, if you really dig down into it a little bit, it's more that they're ashamed than they're afraid someone's going to think something badly of them. So what is it in your situation? Now, I can tell you that if it is, if you, if you dig it out, and, and, and honestly, this is really a good time just to be transparent with yourself. It's really a good time just to dig into it and understand it for what it is. I think God's calling us to that this morning. So then as you dig into it, if you come to the place where you say, you know what it is? It is actually that I'm ashamed. Please, please acknowledge that that's a dangerous place to be. 
You remember what Jesus said? If you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before my Father who's in heaven. If you refuse to acknowledge me, I will acknowledge, I will not acknowledge you before my Father who's in heaven. Okay, so there's a danger here. And I believe in my, my studies, what I've come to understand is that when Jesus is saying that, he's saying, if, if you are ashamed of me, if, if this is something that you are ashamed to acknowledge my involvement in your life, the sacrifice I made for you, then it actually indicates something much deeper, that there is no relationship here whatsoever. Now, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus would literally put himself on a cross where he would carry the shame, where he would carry the guilt, where he would carry the humiliation, where he would suffer the wrath and judgment of Almighty God upon our sin, not his own, upon our sin. And for us then, in turn, to be embarrassed or ashamed, of, it might be an indication that there's really no relationship there. So then I would suggest to initiate this process that where we would begin is to say, God, you need to direct me to the truth. Am I really part of your family? Or is this something that's just been a facade? If then you have looked into it, you've dug into it, and you say, no, actually, Tom, I just, I just, go along. I just don't want people to think badly of me. I don't want them to think that I'm some sort of a holy road. Well, how do we respond to something like that? I, I would think that if, if we actually bathe this invitation in prayer, and if we've actually put some heart and some thought into what we're going to say, we've spent some time doing it. We'll talk about that in just a second. But if we've spent some time involved in what we're going to say, and we approach the individual in love, not in a condemning manner, not looking down our noses, not thinking we're better than they are, but we approach in a loving manner like we are genuinely concerned. We'd love for you to come be part of what God is doing at Mile Strait then I can't help but believe once again that the fears of what we would expect will never be realized. The fears of what we would expect people to respond will never be realized because there is a compassion that's evident in what we say. So then we pray, we ask God for compassion, and then we extend the invitation with compassion, with love, the love of Christ. Number three, why don't I invite? Well, because I might get in trouble if I do that at work. I might get in trouble if I do that at work. You know what? I believe that that is a valid concern. You say, wait a minute. You're supposed to be a Christian all the time. Absolutely right. Absolutely. You're making a good point for me. You're supposed to be a Christian all the time. Part of being a good Christian means that we are good stewards of our time. That we honor God with our time. Everything we do, we're to do as unto the Lord. We are to do it as unto the Lord. So then if I'm being paid by an employer, I'm to give them my time. I'm to invest my time. There's plenty of opportunities when I have opportunities to talk to co-workers, when I have breaks, when, when I'm in between jobs or assignments, that I can invite someone. I know that. It doesn't have to be when the boss is giving me something that I need to be doing. Being a Christian means that I honor God, I honor my employer. It means that I am a good steward of my time. Not only when I'm supposed to be working, am I working, but also when the opportunity is there to extend an invitation, I'm taking advantage of that as well. God is using me as one who honors Him in everything. So then... I don't do something like that when I have something that I'm being paid to do. Number four. There's a lot more I'd like to talk about on that one, but let me jump ahead. Number four. Why don't I invite? Well, I'm afraid. Just boils down to I'm just afraid. I'm scared to death. I get that. I get that. Um, I don't know what to expect. If I ask someone, I don't know how they're going to respond. 
But here's the thing to keep in mind. The last part of verse 20, one of the verses we read just a few minutes ago, says this. I, Jesus is talking, I am with you always. So then the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, has not deserted us in the middle of an invitation. That may seem like such a little bitty thing, and yet God has promised to be with us in the process. God is with us. Therefore, God is at work. God will take what we do and will use it for His honor and for His glory. That's one reason I think it's required that we prepare ourselves to do that, that we just don't half-heartedly jump into it, that we've bathed it in prayer, that we've, we've actually practiced what we want to say. I think it's so important. This is something that's going to carry the name of God with it. And it ought to be our absolute best. It ought to be the very best we can present. And so we cover it in prayer, and then we move forward in confidence because God is with us. Number five, why don't I invite? Well, because I just don't know what to say. I get tongue-tied. I, uh, I, I have problems talking to people. I, I'm there with you on that one, too. I can stand up here and talk to you and be very comfortable, but you get two or three of you off by your side, and I've got to come and talk. Goodness, it's hard for me. It's really hard. I understand that. And so that's why last week we talked about it, and I've already talked about it again today, that, that we want to write it down. What am I going to say? Make it simple. Make it blunt or direct, rather, just, just very cut and dried. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do as a result. We write it down and then stand in front of a mirror and rehearse it. Look at it. What, what are your expressions? If you're trying to convey the thought that, that you're, you love that person, you want them to come be your guest, you would generally be honored if, or genuinely be honored if they would come and be your guest. But you look in the mirror and you see anger on your face. <laughs> it could come out that way, right? Then work on that. Change that. Change the look that you've got. If you're listening to the words and it it's just doesn't sound good, it comes out harsh, change it. You have an opportunity. You're rehearsing, you're practicing. Make a difference. I was thinking uh, personally about how I could invite uh, people like, say, a server at a restaurant. I mean, how can I do that? I, you, can, you can tell by looking at my film, my... Uh, very thin physique, but uh, I love to go out to eat. I really do. Uh, thank you for laughing. The first group didn't laugh. They just stared at me, and I thought, well, that's, that's cruel. I mean, that's really cruel. Um, now that I think about it, laughing at me is kind of cruel, too. <laughs> hmm. Well, I was thinking about that, and, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm at restaurants a lot of time with people who are new to Mile Straight, people maybe who have um, some questions, uh, maybe they're having some personal issues, we'll go out to lunch or to dinner, um, maybe I'm with the pastors of our church, maybe it's just Melinda and me, maybe we're with friends, whatever the case. So there's a lot of different ways I could be there around a server and, and how could I approach someone like that without coming across badly you know I don't want my actions to be misinterpreted I don't want someone to read into something that's not there so how would I do it I, I thought maybe this would be a good approach you have been so good to us while we're here thank you so much for taking care of us for 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 being so attentive to our needs and uh, just looking out for us while we're here at your place. I, we would absolutely love for you to come and be our guest at church so we can return the favor. We can return the kindness and, and treat you like you've treated us. Would you please be our guest? Now, in my way of thinking, as I thought through that, I thought, you know what? What I'm saying is you're important to me. And, and we really want you to come and be our guest. 
And if you come to be our guest, we're not going to desert you. You're not going to have to figure things out by yourself. We're going to be there with you. We're going to take care of you just like you took care of us. I can't help but believe if you present something like that to someone that uh, they're going to be a little bit flattered by it. They still may not be able to. For a server, I have to work every Sunday. Uh, we've asked, Melinda and I have asked people before, and they, they work every Sunday. I get that. Nothing they can do about that right then. But I can't help but believe that the fears we have about how people will respond are maybe not, not going to be realized if we approach it properly. So we practice, write it down, we practice it. We pray over it. God, bless this invitation. Put me in front of the people you want me to talk with and to extend the invitation. And then prepare their hearts for when I do. Ready them for it. Number six. Why don't I invite? Well, I'm just too busy. You don't know, Tom, I'm just too busy. Let me tell you something. I don't buy that one. I don't buy that one. We all are able to do what we want to do. I know it's a busy time to be alive. I understand that. But when it comes down to it, we're able to do what we want to do. Um, about oh, a month and a half ago, I was invited to go play golf. And uh, I hadn't been in about four years, I think. Hadn't played in about four years, but... I really wanted to, but I had a really busy week, really busy. And so I thought, I just don't know that I can afford to take the time. But somehow I figured out how to accomplish it. I got to go play golf. We have time to do what we want to do. Truth is. So then what do we do in that situation? It is my opinion that we just start praying, God, you know my schedule. And it may be that you're wanting me to cut back on some things so that I have time to live in obedience. Or it may be that you just want me to be more alert to the opportunities for which you're going to provide. Help me to be aware. Help me to accept the opportunity and to advance on it. Number seven. Why don't I invite? It's the pastor's job. It's the pastor's job to do that. It's not my responsibility. Well, listen to this. It is the pastor's job. Every one of our pastors understands their responsibility. I, I believe that our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, our small group leaders, they all understand their responsibility. It is our job as leaders of Mile Straight Baptist Church. But guess what? It's not only our job. When we talk about everyone is an inviter, that means it's inclusive. Everyone. And by the way, the title, the, the theme of our year, I had some really good thoughts given to me over the past week about how to reword it. I'm not at peace in doing that just yet, but uh, hopefully that will, will come soon. But for now, everyone is inviter. It's, it's inclusive. We all have the responsibility. If you are a member or a regular attender of Mile Straight Baptist Church who is also part of the family of God, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility, certainly. You have a responsibility, certainly. We all have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to invite people to the Savior, to invite people to the service, to come and see what God is doing. We've got to take that seriously. We can't overlook it. We can't run from it. It's our responsibility. Number eight. Number eight, well, I don't know how people at church will treat my friend. I don't know how people at church will treat my friend. You see, my friend not regularly going to church, and therefore they don't think like people in church. They don't talk like people in church. And people may come up to them, start talking, and they may just start cussing, not think anything about it, not trying to be rude, not trying to be mean. It's just, it's just them. I just don't know how people respond to that. I think that's a valid concern. I, I pray, I pray 
that you've come to realize that it's not as much of a concern at Mile Straight, that we love people for, for who they are, what they are. We don't want them to come be like us. We want them to know Jesus and become like Jesus. But we're not trying to make little disciples of, of me or you. No. And so what we want to do is love people, let them know they're welcome here. It doesn't matter if they don't talk like us, if they don't know our songs, if they don't dress like us. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we get an opportunity to introduce them to a loving Savior. That's what matters. And so I pray that that, that, that wouldn't be something you would have to be concerned with at Mile Straight. Maybe at some places... Um, Maybe you go to a family gathering, you'd need to be concerned about that, but not at, not at Mile Straight. In fact, what I would hope is that if somebody walks in our doors that maybe does look a little different, to understand that they're probably very uncomfortable. And instead of looking down on them, that we reach out, we let them know we are so glad they're here. So glad. If you have in your mind a question about that, you've invited someone who maybe would fit that category, why not just call a couple of people and say, hey, I'm bringing someone, here's their situation, and I would love for you to come back, introduce yourself, and make them feel welcome. Give some people a heads up. Nothing wrong with that. Give them an opportunity to be put at ease so that they can fully hear and engage the message of Jesus Christ. Number nine, here's where it gets real. Why don't I invite? Well, to be honest, Tom, I just, I just don't really care that much about people. Man, this one hurts. And let me say, if you, if you feel that way, thank you for being honest about it. I think the only way we can improve, the only way we can grow is to be honest about where we are. We're not, we're not able to hide from it. But, um, but I would also suggest that if you do feel that way, then maybe going back to the first thought, we, we've got to come to a place where we understand, am I really a child of God? And Jesus said there's two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we're not loving people the way God intends, the way Christ showed us His love, then there's a real problem. Either I've just become so distant from God that I've bought into what culture teaches that I look out for us four and no more. I look out for my family, and I love my family, but I grow cold and indifferent to people outside my family. There's a real problem there. I need to get back to Christ. I need to confess that is sin before God, and I need to ask him to give me a compassion, a desire to love people, to see people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. I need that. If I determine I'm not part of the family of God, then today is the day of salvation. Today is the time to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Number 10. I know what God says to do, but the reason I don't invite is because I really don't care what he says. Now, this one's kind of hard one too. It's kind of a hard one too because you may never express it in those terms. You may have more sense than to come out and say something that's so dangerous. I don't care what God thinks. It's a very dangerous place to live. If you're a child of God and you, you fully believe that, you, you're saying that, or, or you're indicating it by the way you live and act, it's a very dangerous place to be. God will not allow His children to continue to live with that attitude. There's no way. You can expect His discipline to come quickly. You can expect that. You may not come out and say it, but the truth is, if we're not doing it, if we're not living it, that's ultimately what it is. God says it. I know that. Just don't care. Just don't care. I'm going to allow my fear. I'm going to allow my, my anxiety. I'm going to allow all these other things to stand in the way 
and be a reason why I do not do what God tells me to do. What's the solution? Am I really a child of God? If I am, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've enabled something else to be God in my life. And I confess that as sin. And I ask you to change my heart. Make me one who desires to follow you, to live in obedience. Regardless what my feelings are. God has called us to be people who are inviting. Inviting people to the Savior. Inviting people to the service to accomplish the first task. And yet there are so many excuses we could throw out. I hope and I pray that we're just getting a small glimpse today that our excuses are so feeble really no place in reality for them and we've got to move beyond that and we must live in obedience to Jesus Christ so what do we do what do we do with this information I, I think first of all if you're a child of God and you're not living in obedience here you do the same thing I've had to do. God, I'm sorry. Confess it as sin. And we submit ourselves to God to be obedient to what He's called us to do. If you are not a child of God, maybe today you've realized that for the first time, that today is the day you turn your life over to Him. Surrender yourself to Him. How do I do that? You know, it's just a simple matter of saying, God, I... No, I've done wrong. I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life. Would you forgive my sin? And would you save me? Would you do that today? Would you just simply call out to Him today? There's no better time you will ever find than right now. Why? Well, partially because of the peace you're going to have afterward but also because you don't know that you have tomorrow. There's no promise of tomorrow for any of us. Today is the day of salvation. Would you bow your heads for just a second? Christians, if you would, just start praying. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for those who are here who do not know Christ. For those who do not know Christ, Savior, could I invite you to do something? You say, I, I don't know Christ as my Savior, but I really would like to at least find out more about that. Would you let me know that just right now? Nobody else is looking around, but would you just quietly look up at me and say, Tom, don't embarrass me, but do pray for me. Would you look up at me right now? Give me a second to catch your eye. Thank you. Father, I pray for these who indicated they needed Jesus as Savior. And I pray that you will continue to work in their lives to draw them to yourself. Father, I pray that this will be the day that they are gloriously brought to a saving knowledge of your Son. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A couple of quick things. Um, if you want to know Christ as your Savior, I'm going to hang around for a while after the service. Just walk up to me, would you? I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out or call your name. But I would love an opportunity to share more about Jesus Christ with you. So just come and see me. I would love that opportunity. Additionally, 
stretching the subject just a little bit, there's another way we can begin to invite people to the service. And this is even a less strenuous way. I believe inviting someone to come to the service is actually pretty simple after you've done it a couple of times. But I think this way is even less strenuous, less involved than that. And it's simply by sharing on social media what Miles Strait puts out. Uh, Jackson Seals and Jason Sneed work hard to produce things that are very good quality. And they put them on social media. And I think it's a shame when an invitation to a service is put out and there's 10 or 12 people who share it. I really think between our two services, people who are watching online, that they ought to be shared three or four hundred times easily. So take advantage of that. Share it. You know, the enemy is using social media in ways to make an impact for his cause. Let's use it for Jesus Christ. Okay? Share it. You say, I don't get it. Go to our page. And look and see what's there and begin sharing things. You don't have to bombard your feed just every now and then. Share something. If it's not coming across, go to our page and do that, okay? Thank you very much. Mickey.